What's going on? It's your boy, Justin, the host with the most. Alright guys, so this is actually an updated episode of the interview I conducted with Luke Westman. Uh, the one that I originally dropped uh, after listening to it for the past couple of days, I'm definitely not satisfied with the quality of what I presented out to you guys. Uh, so I did some tweaks and some edits to the audio um, more than I guess what I what I did the uh, the very first time. Um, so this is a little bit more clear uh, than the original. So in case you haven't heard it, then don't go looking for the original. Stick to this one so you can enjoy it a lot better. Uh, but like I said, this interview is with Luke Westman, uh, an individual that has been in the tattoo game for 20 years. Uh, he has done quite a bit in his time. Uh, he has been on the cover of Inked Magazine. He's had a guest spot on Ink Master. Uh, he's done a project with Harley Davidson. Um, he'll go through the projects that he's he's done um, in this interview and he will also go over uh, stuff that he is doing on the outside of the tattoo game. Uh, but he also will go through his journey through tattooing and where he kind of came up and where it all started. Um, but more importantly, something that I have always been into, uh, very much been intrigued by, is his self-made use paid philosophy. So we will dive into that, how it came about. Uh, we will discuss it and some other things that uh, are just random. Uh, so sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with the one and only Luke Westman. Already on the phone right now, his first time ever on the show, the busiest man in the tattoo world. But not only in the tattoo world, but by gosh, everything else under the sun. We have Luke Westman. Luke, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hi, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Hello from uh, sunny Southern California. Yeah, so I'm in uh, Illinois. Uh, it definitely has its ups and downs when it comes to the to weather. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but it's definitely hot. It's been a hot summer in, in Illinois, so been enjoying it. Um Cali, how how's the weather in there? You know, we're doing this, the same thing. We're having like a extraordinarily warm summer with extra humidity. So you know, I don't know. There could be something to this whole climate change thing. I don't know. Yeah, you know, um, it just seems to get hotter and hotter. Yeah, it's uh, is, hasn't there been like some type of like wildfires going on somewhere? Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, there's there's a lot of bad ones that were kind of wildfires are having a hard time containing them. I haven't been following a lot of these fires this year. But there's still some pretty big ones going on, and uh, it's kind of scary. You know, it's been the perfect weather to keep feeding the the, the fire. You know, so it's, they're having a hard time putting them out. There's a lot of stuff going on in some of the inland cities. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I, I would like fear almost living in the area like with the fires because I mean it's they're almost uncontrollable, right? I mean because there's so much land. Yeah, certain wind, like super dry vegetation. It's just like it's like the perfect 
remedy for fires, you know. And, and, you know, a lot of times forests have, like, a natural burning season, but, yeah, it's just tightened and it's just out of control these last couple of summers, and it's really messed with people's homes and lives, but... Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. It's the I, worst. No, go ahead. Go ahead, yeah. No, because I can just uh, so my uh, my dad was born and raised in Texas, so we had family down there, and we would go visit there. And uh, I can just remember as a kid, like there the days we would go out and it'd be so hot. I'm like, how do people even live in like in a hot climate area where it's just like unbe- I mean, we would literally I can remember as a kid getting ice cream and walking out, and the ice cream would be like instantly melting. And I'm like, man, what? Like what? <laughs> like how do people even enjoy this? Like this is just crazy. But I guess you're getting used like, to it. What if their AC goes out? They're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it's insane. It's like, how do like any animals even bear living in this type of climate? Like, it's just, I, I would definitely not. Well, my wife is like, how about we move down to Texas? I'm like, bah. I'll have to like, look into that and see where it's somewhat decent, where it's not always 100 degrees. But, but you know how they do it is it's a little more affordable, right? Like, so you get, you know, super shitty hot heat weather or whatever, and then you can still buy a home for 300000 that's got, you know, three, four bedrooms. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely beautiful spots in, in Texas and, and, you know, the scenery and stuff like that. I, I definitely enjoy it when we go down there. Um, but I know... This guy that I used to work with, uh, he had family in San Diego, and uh, he said that San Diego is, like, beautiful, and, like, he's big into Mexican food, and he's like, it's, like, the best tacos in San Diego. He's like, you got to go there just yeah. for the tacos. I'm like... Yeah, I mean, we're so close to the border, you know, and then there's great chefs down there, so you get a mix of just, like, that real, real legit Mexican food mixed in with a little bit of, like, culinary expertise, you know, it's just a beautiful combination. Yeah, because he's, because, uh, so I'm Mexican, so he's like, you don't know, like, he's like, you might know you good, good tacos, but go there and you'll have some really good tacos. I'm like, all right. But he's like, don't rent or stay in San Diego. He's like, stay in the outskirts and then go into San Diego because of, uh, heard it's a little expensive in the area. Yeah, yeah. You know, any, any little city, you know, they always, they always check up the price. Yeah. So speaking of, like, so speaking of, uh, like Mexican. So, like, your tattooing would it be like considered almost like? I know I've seen some pieces where you definitely have some influence of like the Mexican culture. Like, has that always been like kind of like your upbringing when it comes to your tattooing? Yeah, I mean, just just growing up, you know, in San Diego County, there's just such a heavy like Latino. Mexican influence in the culture, you know, so I definitely, you know, just being immersed in it growing up, you know, the, the imagery, the, the airbrushing on the lowriders, like the, the murals in Chicano Park, like all the, all that cultural art, art, you know, just kind of definitely seeps in as an artist, as a young artist. So I learned, you know, I, I, I sort of had a keen eye for like that, that style art, prison art as a young kid. And then I learned how to tattoo at a really traditional Americana shop. So I've always kind of had the influence of both. And then um, just working all over the world, you know, you're kind of, you're always, as an artist, you're always kind of influenced. So I always think my, my art's just kind of always changing and morphing a little bit as I, you know, work in different countries and, and around a lot of different people. But it's always rooted in kind of that, a little bit of Chicano, um, 
American traditional mix. That's kind of my my my, my roots. Yeah, because because uh, I uh, you know I growing up like my dad would always draw, so I'd always have like he would always draw stuff, and I kind of like inherited his artistic abilities. Um, so I, I definitely understand like in the, in the sense of kind of learning from others and seeing others and like evolving, like having a core of like who you are as an artist, but then evolving, uh, you know, your medium and, and kind of taking pieces from other people and, you know, expanding your horizon on, on art. Um, but I can't like, I couldn't imagine what, what's, what you guys do uh, when it comes to ink on skin. That's like, it's like mind blowing what these are, what the artists do. It's just like, holy cow. Like that's that's probably like a lot of practice. I mean, not practice, but like a lot of working, a lot of hours spent to get, you know, to to where you are, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're. I mean, one thing you get over the years is a little more comfortability. You know, I remember the first two years of tattooing people. I was like, I don't know if this is for me. You're always encountering different scenarios, whether it be a personality or a person can't fit or their skin's really bad. I mean, so many variables rather than just a piece of art applying the art, you know, and coloring it in. I mean, there's all these variables in between, like, you know, all those things. Like, so it really takes a while to get comfortable, you know? Like, I mean, for me, it was a couple of years. I mean, obviously, you hide your, your insecurities as an artist because you don't want your clients to feel bad. But I remember those first two years being really, like, you know, holy shit, like, there's a person bleeding, this person's critiquing what I'm doing on them, they're gonna walk around with it forever, like, yeah. it's a lot of weight, it's a lot of weight, and so you push through that, you get experience, I mean, now, I have, you know, almost 20 years doing it, so, I'm very comfortable with the people, with the application, with the techniques, but, you know, there's still curveballs, you know, people they'll want a great design and then they'll want it in a real funky spot where their skin's really tricky or bad and you're just like, you know, doing your best to make the colors as vibrant as you can, the design as crisp as you can, but you're working with these variables and these obstacles to uh, to, to mess with how it comes out. So there's, you never know what you're going to get, you know? You, you really never know what you're going to get and that's kind of what makes it so exciting and challenging. And, um, it's, yeah, it's, I would say it's such an extreme art form, you know, as an artist and as the collector on the on the person receiving it side. It's so extreme and unique. Oh yeah, because definitely, like I, I do believe that you know some people will see an image, they'll they'll print out the image, and they'll believe that they're going to get what they see when it comes to the vibrance <gasps> of colors and such. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I I know. You know, some artists can definitely you know pull that off and and get it on exact. But like, have you ever encountered like uh, any like client that was extremely upset because it didn't turn out the way like they thought it was going to turn out? Not really. I mean, I think people generally, if if they felt that, they maybe have hit it. You know, uh-huh. they're like wearing it. So there's like a big kind of mental school of thought where it's like, oh shit, okay, it's on me, so I'm going to have to own this and appreciate it. So that's why a lot of people that are not good are in business because people just own the work and they don't, you know, they try not to live with regret. So I don't ever hear people expressing, you know, I've never, over the years, just never really heard much. And I'm sure there's been, you know, yeah. but since I'm a big intimidating guy, maybe they've been kind of nervous to tell me or whatever, but, you know, more so on the on the on the level of like maybe something feels a little funky, you know, which there's a lot of variables there in the healing that can also 
care of it, what they're exposed to. Yeah. You know, if they're swimming or showering or bumping it or scratching it. I mean, there's all those little things. So, you know, from time to time, you get somebody that goes, oh, I love ketchup, you know, and I try to be really um, open to that because, uh, you know, you always want your work looking, looking its, its best. Oh, yeah, because I, I mean, I remember when I got my first tattoo, like, the artists were like, all right, you need to make sure you don't do this, 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 and that, that, that. I'm like, yeah. holy cow. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, all right, so here I am. So I got mine um, when I was 16, and, you know, when I can go in, your parents can sign to get you a, you know, to let you get your tattoo. So I literally remember, like, uh-huh. walking around school, like, trying to, like, shield my tattoo so, like, nobody would touch it and, and smack and say, oh, is, this, is that real? Is that real? So I'm like, I'm yeah. staying away. I'm like, I never really realized the the delicacy of uh, of the tattoo and, and protecting it and and making sure that it heals fine and uh, the, the lotions and all that jazz. I had no idea, but you know, it's it's weird. Like once you get one, like I know people say it all the time. But like once you get one, it's like an addiction. I'm getting more and more and more. Um, yeah. But uh, so like when it comes to your arts, like, was there anybody, like, that inspired you, like, in your childhood that made you pick up, you know, whatever medium to, to start drawing? Is it, like, in your family? Is it in your blood? Um, you know, I, my parents are really creative people, and they always kind of pushed all the creativity. Um, so as a young kid, I mean, they were always uh, really pushing just basic art and creativity and crafts, and, I mean, they were kind of like these hippies. My dad was a musician. My mom was just like a, you know, real creative, hippie homemaker lady. And, um, yeah, they just kind of instilled in me a lot of just general creativity, you know, creating, building. And so that mindset carried through just as a creative person, you know, and it just happened to be tattooing that I found my way. Um, I didn't go out looking for it. It kind of found me. And um, it's just a great place to be an artist. I mean, there's a lot of artists that, have a hard time making a living so as a tattooer you know you can definitely make a sustainable living and be an artist so the the, the beautiful profession that's yeah it found me when i was a kid you know i got my first one at 16 also and um just never stopped getting them and then started giving them <laughs> yeah no <laughs> yeah i i you know i often like wonder like how it would would feel to to give somebody a tattoo but i'm like uh that's kind of like scary like uh, needles go into someone's skin and not knowing and the angle of the gun and stuff like that but so you know i'll leave all that to to the pros um but uh the one thing that that definitely struck me when it came to to actually uh knowing who you were um was i saw a post on instagram from uh toby morse um yeah yeah from h2o yeah um and he's got a podcast that's gonna be coming out next month i think right i know i've been seeing about he's been doing a lot of shows and tours so i haven't really got to talk to him too much lately but yeah i saw that he was um was posting about doing it so yeah that'd be he should. he's got you know he's a, he's a big talkative guy and he's got a lot of, a lot of different friends yeah cool. but so like i saw one of his posts it had uh the uh self-made dues paid um, and I was like, wow, what is this? So then I, you know, started kind of doing like the research because I was like, self-made these pale. My dad has like a good philosophy behind it. Um, and then I stumbled upon you. And then, so I'm like, so where did that come from? Is that something that, that you came up with or is it something that you kind of heard throughout your years or like how did, how did the self-made these pay? Like how did that come about? So it came about for me about, gosh, probably 
15 plus years ago, I was trying to figure out what's a tattoo on my knuckles. <laughs> and um, that was like a real big deal, you know, like what, what eight letter word or what two four letter words can you put there that no one else has. And so I was really digging around with different ideas about words that were four letters each. And um, yeah, I don't remember, there wasn't like one moment that sparked like I didn't see something or hear something. Um, I think it was just the idea of playing with words and, and trying to have something that meant something to me. And um, right around that time, I started to embrace, because up until, I don't know, maybe my 20s, I was kind of really embarrassed of being like real poor as a kid and like, you know, having like this kind of um, hardships as, as a young 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 guy. And um, I, don't, I don't know, late, late teens, early 20s, I just kind of started to turn it into motivation and like, kind of owned it instead of uh, was hiding from it you know what I mean so yeah. I, that it was just kind of all floating around in my life and um, at the time I had actually owned a, a tattoo shop I started in my 20s I worked for an old guy that was a real famous tattooer and um, during the course of events I ended up owning a tattoo shop at like 22 or 23 oh wow and you know not that I was like financially um successful but I was stable you know and I had you know kind of came from from zero and you know literally zero you know without uh you know even a pat on the back and uh I just it just fit you know the idea of being a self-made person you know and it was pre-internet it was pre all these things and so it was just yeah it was really a a connection to the idea that I wasn't embarrassed anymore I'm self-made I um you know, I really did it my way, you know, and over the years, I just built up on that, and, you know, there's so many, um, you know, everyone's self-made, really, you know, to some degree, and, and I think the people that have had the biggest um, transitions or hardships, you know, maybe they're more proud of it, because they have, like, this great example of from little to more, yeah. um, so, but I just, yeah, just, once I got, once I, I got it on my knuckles and embraced it and, you know, embraced my history and was kind of owning my path. I just kind of, um, yeah, self-made and then dues paid was kind of something I always started to say with it. And, um, you know, and then I got it on my lower knuckles and it was just, you know, 10 years in the, in the, at the time, I think I got dues paid like 10 years into the business. And I was just like, you know, you're always paying them, you know, whatever you do, but it, I definitely feel like I cut my chops, you know, I was working 365 days a year and, you know, every single day and I was chatting all day and, and painting all night and I felt like I was really paying dues, you know, and, um, yeah, it just kind of organically came out that way. So I just really started running with the self-made dues paid and now it's been you know, a long time since. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, like I said, when I saw that, I, you know, I, I mean, growing up, we definitely didn't have like everything in the world. Um, you know, we definitely struggled and, and such. Um, and, and definitely now, you know, being married and I have a family, um, definitely my my kids don't, you know, live without you know the the, the lack of um, of what I had growing up. Uh, so it's like to me that philosophy that self made these kids. Like yeah. almost basically, like I live like the self-made use paid. Uh, so it's yeah. like you know, so like you said, like everybody can has their own way of being, you know, self-made, and 
people definitely pay their dues regardless of what they do. They definitely pay yeah. it, you know, in one way or another. Uh, so that's definitely, to me, the self-made dues pay, that's, that's something that I definitely uh, will live by until the day I die, and it'll be something I will, uh, you know, let my kids know as they get older, you know, just to, to know that through anything, you can be anything as long as you put your mind to it, you know? Yeah, yeah, and that's, and that's the bottom line. We really, we really get to make our path, you know what I mean? And, um, you never, never hear me complaining about my life, you know, but I have used it as just, you know, my story and, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think definitely, like, as an not, because you, you are definitely, you do quite a bit other than, than tattooing. I mean, you're definitely, you go, you go to, um, you do speeches right out of the country and you're doing other things with different uh, yeah, organizations. So, you, you want to explain some of that? I mean, I just, at some point in my life, I just figured to say yes to everything, you know, say yes to opportunity, not to be. To not be too cool to do something or go somewhere, and so like, like this speaking, podcast, you know, I started. What's that? I said like this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like I mean, I guess at some point you got to know, you know, what the right thing to say no to are too. But um, yeah, I just, I just really like living by say yes, you know, especially if it's out of my comfort zone. If it's something I don't wouldn't normally do, like those are the things I want to do the most. You know, the things that make me nervous or or scare me because you know that's where a lot of times the growth lies or you know it's so easy to be comfortable in your little pocket in your lane so like you know I got asked to speak at some high schools and I did that and surprised myself because I'm historically a kind of introvert but um, did that and had a great response there and then yeah I got asked to do some big conventions so um, I was in Austria recently just doing a big one and crazy great response which I wouldn't have imagined just because I haven't done anything on that scale before and and it was more just telling my story, a little bit of my self-made story, and then some of my, you know, tips for brand work because I have through the years worked with some some pretty big brands, you know, kind of like I just did a, a painting a bike for Harley Davidson, and they're touring that one around the country, and that's a that's a big one, and you know, I've done definitely done some some, some good stuff with, uh, you know, I've done stuff with Chevy, I've done stuff with uh, um, Spotify, I've done stuff with Tumblr, like I've gotten these really amazing opportunities I think just from kind of being myself and I've never had a manager or anybody like getting me jobs but I've also never said no you know yeah yeah I, did, I said yes yes did you uh did you do anything with uh with uh Hurley with uh Tim yeah yeah um you know Tim was one of their like uh, kind of on retainer artist so he did a lot with Hurley himself and then kind of through that um, him and I painted a big mural for Hurley and then I did some designs for some events for Hurley like they were doing some print, like old printing press um, stuff and so I did some I did a few designs for shirts and yeah I've got a, a good relationship with Hurley um, I, I haven't done tons of stuff with them but I've definitely done some, some cool things with them and um yeah, yeah, it's been it's been it's been a great ride. I I, I owe t- I owe some of it to living in New York because I feel like New York is such a busy city that there's just so many things happening yeah. at the right place, right right time with some of that. Uh, but uh, yeah, just been real fortunate, you know, good friends, good people, and you know, and I've never really changed my my style or my message. I've kind of just been me, and I've been lucky enough that a lot of people 
know, that's where I learned to say no to some things. And Yeah. So, uh, like, because I know it's like some artists kind of, uh, like, have their own, like, tattoo guns or own ink or... Yeah. Um, like the healing cream or anything like—is that something that like you're like eventually would be interested in? Yeah. So up until I had it's a whole other story, but I had uh, spine surgery maybe almost three years ago now, and up until that point, I was just satisfied with just tattooing my ass off and painting, and I never really approached tattooing too businesslike. Even though you know I respect the fact of you know projects and making money. I just never wanted to chase money, and I was happy tattooing every day, and as hard as I could, as long as I could. And, um, but when I hurt my back, it just it shocked my world. I um, was laid up, I couldn't walk, and had to go through some, um, I went to Germany and had this big spine disc replacement surgery and all this crazy stuff. And so when I came off that, it was a rude awakening, and like, um, it just kind of shocked me, like, holy shit, like, if you can't work, you're fucked, <laughs> you yeah, know. So basically, <laughs> then I opened my mind to like, okay, what are the things that I can, you know, make uh, some supplementary income off of? So I've been in, you know, trying to figure out maybe doing a machine. I've got some really good friends like Tim and my, another friend at Bishop Rotary, which is a big, uh, big rotary company here that they're making really nice machines. And I'm just trying to figure out maybe doing like a really nice signature piece with uh, with one of them or just myself with their guidance. And then um, I am working on like a, a tattoo aftercare ointment cream, um, which I've been working on for 10 months. Oh, uh, wow. Trying to process. formulate the right stuff. <laughs> What's that? That's a long process. Yeah, just, um, you know, I'm trying to do like a four like four different products they all kind of go along with like the, the care of a tattoo pre and post tattoo uh-huh. and so it's just been a really gruesome grueling process trying to uh, <laughs> get the right stuff and um, you know get, get something I could put my name behind I actually have some samples that just came in right now of the, uh, the lotion and um, kind of like testing it out on my skin right now <laughs> oh nice <laughs> uh, so what do you think about it right now so that <laughs> It's okay, you know, it's a little thick, so I may, I may have to go back to the lab. It's a little, <laughs> little thicker than I want. I want it to rub in a little smoother. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so aftercare, and uh, I've got other random projects, but, yeah, I'm always, you know, I'm always tattooing is my main thing still. I'm yeah. just not doing it as, not as crazy as I used to. I mean, I used to do five to seven a day, and now wow. I do, you know, two to three average. So out of a uh, private studio now. Yeah, that's what I was gonna bring up. What it's what is it called again? Uh, the Summertown Inn. And is that like open to the the public, or are they just kind of like email you and you guys set up like a a time or something? Yeah, I do like a little screening process through the email, and then um, and then I can set up. And I don't disclose the location. Um, a little bit of just the area where it's at, but I like to keep it pretty mysterious. It's kind of part of its lure. That's cool. Um, so, so I have it hidden, and you know it's uh, it's a cool adventure when you come get tattooed by me. It's it's definitely not your average uh, tattoo shop, um, and it just kind of came to be. I was you know I was going to open a shop with my friend Tim Hendricks a few years ago, and we ended up going different ways. With uh, he had a good opportunity to open a reopen an old shop about an hour from here or forty minutes from where where we were living, and. Uh, I decided to kind of do this little private thing for a little bit and just see how it goes and have a home base. And I travel so much that it was nice. And 
three years later, I just I got this great space that's uh, kind of like a speakeasy. So uh-huh. when people come come to it, it's like behind a trap door and all this stuff. And it's <laughs> not gimmicky. It's just a, a cool little little workspace that I just uh, I love being at, and people really enjoy it. Um, I'm still like uh, 50 minutes, 40 minutes from LA, so I still get a lot of my fancy LA clientele that'll drive down here. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, Summertown, which is the name of the hippie farm that I was born on. Really? In Tennessee, it's called Summertown. Oh, that's cool. And it's a small, unincorporated city, and I just love the name. And, um, you know, I only was born there, I didn't grow up there at all. My parents hitchhiked to California when I was old enough to, to, to travel. Um, so I don't have a lot of connection other than being actually born there, but I love the name, and so that's just what I named my little spot, the Summertown Inn. No, it's, it's a pretty cool name. I mean, it's it's, it's definitely uh, not your generic, like, you know, I don't know, Black Ace or whatever, Black Cat. Or, you know you know how there's, like, basic generic names? Yours definitely has a cool ring to it. Because um, I was like, when you brought up how it's, like, kind of like its own, like, mystique, whatever, um, you, you, you are part of, like, a brotherhood, right? You're a mason? Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I've been a mason for almost 10 years, a uh, master mason, and also an odd fellow, which is kind of like maybe more of a forgotten fraternity, similar to the masons, where they um, base a lot of their uh, focus on charity. Nice. That no, that's yeah. good. You definitely, you're man. You are a you're a busy man. <laughs> you definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying, I, trying to stay busy. Well, you know what? You know, you gotta stay busy, to keep moving in this world. So, uh, yeah. definitely gotta keep. Friction leads the fire. I always say. What is that? That friction. Friction leads the fire. You just keep I, going. You know. I I've never heard that one before. Yeah. That's the first I heard of that. Um. So, like, the one thing that uh, I want to bring up is your 66 Impala is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Thanks. That, yeah, it's, uh, you started from scratch with that, right? Uh, pretty much. Like, I, I had bought it from a friend kind of reluctantly, and it was primer spots and just really rough. And uh, drove it around a little bit like that. And then um, had a friend kind of look at the bodywork, and it was just like packed with bondo and like all these. Like once we once we cleared the bondo and the paint, there was just tons of holes from pulling out dents, and it was just like the most damaged car you've ever seen. So we started pretty much from scratch at that point. Once we started seeing how bad it was, and took panels off, and bought, I bought new panels, and we tried to get a lot of the rust off, and you know just just. It's, it's ground up, but it's like hood ground up. It's not like a, <laughs> a guy with a lot of money that paid everyone to like power coat the frame and all that shit. We did it in a lot of backyards. <laughs> so I took the, the car to um, TJ to get the interior done, which I still have the interior from TJ in there. It's probably been eight years, all white, still clean. I kept it real clean. Um, and then I had my friend paint the car in the backyard and uh, it's just real, it's got a lot of love and soul in it. You know, there was, there's pit bulls that ate the, the the gas lines underneath the car in his backyard while he was <laughs> cleaning the oh my gosh <laughs> doing the body. So it's it's a real it's a real special hood car, you know. And yeah. then um, just giving it a lot of love and 
it's pretty clean. I mean, obviously it looks a little cleaner on pictures. You know, I, I see all the little things that are, you know, the little dents and the little bubbles on the paint and stuff like that. But all in all, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful car. I loved it. I, I've had it for 10 years and I'm just, just trying to baby that thing and, uh, hopefully can do a little more stuff to enhance that sucker because, yeah, it's been with me a long time. Hey, yeah, as long as you take care of it, I'm sure she'll, uh, always, always be there for you, you know? Yeah, I just gotta keep turning it over and not letting her sit too much, you know, and letting the oil and the gas settle. Yeah, I, uh, my dad had always told me growing up that his car that he always wanted was a 66 Impala. And I was oh, no way. Like, yeah, and I was like, oh, because I... Like, I always thought, like, the 64 Impala was just something that I always, like, you know, grew up, like, liking and, and, and loving. But he was like, no, nah, the 66 is definitely the, the Impala that you would want to buy. And I was like, oh, all right. And then I, just, you know, started kind of looking into it. I was like, yeah, it's definitely nice. Um, but, you know, that's just more his style. Like, uh, to me, the 64 has always been kind of like that classic, um, you know, that lowrider uh, feel to it. Um, but... Other than that, like, so do you want to, anything else you want to, to say, like, to the audience, the people that are listening, um, you know, like, maybe some words of encouragement, uh, you know, before we wrap it all up? Um, shit, I mean, I got so much to say, <laughs> but I would say, you know what, I also would say um, to anybody listening, if they're on Instagram, that there's also one called Lost Heart of the Gentleman that I run, that kind of, um, I just try to put tons of little kind of positive quotes and things about, you know, what I what I think it means to be a gentleman and uh, there's a lot of good in that in that page where it's, you know, anything from dating to relationships to parenting. Um, there's just tons and tons of gems on that Instagram page. Lost Art of the Gentleman. Have you seen that with yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, yeah. You post I'm not sure where you find the pictures or even come up <laughs> with the uh, the verbiage, but it's definitely uh it's definitely inspiring, you know, uh, especially for those that are young that are starting out in relationships and uh, kind of need the, uh, the the platform of kind of like how to be a good role model. I definitely would yeah. suggest uh, The Lost Art of a Gentleman because it's definitely, uh, it's and especially nowadays, I mean, it's it's rough, uh, you know, the people's perspectives on, on, on things, um, you know, the way you know, a male treats the female or vice versa. It's definitely not what it used to be. Uh, so what you're doing with that is definitely very inspiring and people need to get on Instagram and definitely, uh, follow, uh, the lost art of the gentleman for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's some, some of the messages are to myself <laughs> and then, you know, some are just situations I see or hear or live through. So, uh, there's a lot of good, good on there. And I try to keep, you know, keep push, pushing out good stuff there. So that's something good to check out. And, you know, as far as motivation and keeping the, the hard work self-made thing up, you know, something I always tell myself is I can't win today's games off of yesterday's home runs. There you go. And uh, that's a way to, you know, not revel in some of the great things I've done, but um, try to do some more, you know, uh, whether that be just accomplishments or, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, yeah, just uh, just we just keep that pushing over here in California, but, um, so is there, uh, anywhere else that, uh, that anybody can follow you on either Twitter or Instagram? Yeah. You know, I still use Twitter. <laughs> it's nice. Cause you can kind of put out thoughts without contact. Yeah. Um, 
I, I tend to be a little more political on Twitter, and I still have a Facebook, and I go pretty hard on there, too. I, I'm, uh, I put some of my, my personal views out there, but also some fun shit. And, um, oh, yeah, Twitter, everything's Luke Westman, pretty much. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Luke Westman. And then I have a summer tenant has its own Instagram page, and it's just tattoos. And then uh, Lost Art of the Gentleman. Yeah, keep an eye out for the skincare, because... It'll definitely be some of the best stuff in the in the on the market once I finally get it to the market. Um, yeah, and we'll see what's next. You know, I'm still gonna cook up some other cool stuff. I'm I'm working on a rose book part two, which is the uh, any artists or people that love reference. I mean, roses are kind of part of the most classic one of, one of the most classic tattoo designs, or you know, they go on everything as far as tattooing and art. So uh, I'm doing a another book of of roses that will be great for reference for tattoo lovers. People can use them as coloring books too. Shit. Yeah. So is that? Uh, you have a website for your merch? Yeah. Yeah. There's. You know. I'm not. I haven't been making a lot of stuff lately. Um, I have. I just hate selling shit to people. <laughs> I mean, I like people that like my stuff and want a piece of me, but at the same time, I, I don't. I don't know. I'm just, I just hate pushing stuff on people. So I throw up new shirts on there often. Um, um, but always different, different collections, different things. You know, some, just sometimes just tattoo shirts, sometimes just some cool images that I want to wear. I make some more of them. So yeah, LukeWestman.com has uh, a little merch section that, you know, there's self-made hats and then there's, you know, some different shirts and they're always kind of different. I usually don't make the, the same ones twice unless they're, you know, we're hot, hot sellers and then I'll make another run, but try to keep it fresh. All right. Nice. Um, yeah. So that so that is it. Like once again, definitely appreciate you taking the time um, out of your your busy hectic life uh, to to sit down and just kind of shoot the shit. Um, you know, kind of see who you are as a person and your philosophies. Uh, so definitely, very much appreciate it, Luke. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time with me, man. Yeah, no problem. Um, so all right, so. That is it, guys. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Luke Westman. And on that note, have a good day, guys. All right, guys. That was my sit-down, over-the-phone interview with the one and only Luke Westman. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed it. Um, I hope that it is more clear for your listening ears compared to the very first one that I dropped. Uh, I'm going to obviously make sure that it is to my standards and quality before this is released. But I just want to say it was definitely a pleasure to sit down and talk to Luke. Uh, Definitely very inspirational. Definitely a hardworking man. Um, so, you know, it's just like anything, you know, we're all self-made in our own ways. And, uh, as long as we stay to the grind and, uh, do what we got to do each day, we will, uh, definitely be successful in our own ways. So if you're new to listening to this, um, you can find me on Twitter at my iPhone pod um, Instagram, my iPhone podcast, email my iPhone podcast at gmail.com. I am on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 
Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So until then, guys, thank you very much. And Justin is out.